0: Dartmoor, England's last wilderness, a wild and wondrous region where the Tors and Myers remain haunted by the fables and legends of this mysterious place. Welcome to Myths of the Moor. Welcome back, everybody, to episode nine of Myths of the Moor with me, Simon Hawkins, and as always, my father on the other side of the table, Mr. David Hawkins. Welcome back. Thank you very much indeed. It's great to be back. In slightly different circumstances, we realise now it's been a rather long gap since the last episode. Over a year. Yeah, very much so, and uh, we're actually fortunate to be recording in our home in North Devon today. yet yeah, not far from the very moors which we've been speaking about. In fact, yesterday we were up on those moors. Yes, we were. Um, Didn't see any strange supernatural activities. I saw lots of uh, holidaymakers and tourists, actually. Yeah, yeah, we, were, yeah.
1: we were up on the highest points of uh, Dartmoor, yes, Tor and High Willays, mm-hmm. and uh, enjoying the fabulous views across... The plains of Central
0: Devon, wonderful. Saw a horseman, an actual Dartmoor horseman, rustling some sheep. Yeah, we certainly did, and saw some animals, but no uh, spectral dogs or
1: similar. No spectral dogs, no birds, no white birds, no, no mysterious
0: pigs. No, um,
1: and we've spoken about all those things we in have. previous episodes. But it
0: sounds like today on episode nine, we're going to be talking more about animals. Yes, So, we are. curious creatures is the topic for today, it's is it? It's curious creatures today. Okay. Um,
1: and, of course, an awful lot of people associate the West Country with pixies. Right. And, strangely enough, we haven't spoken much about pixies in previous episodes. Although, if anyone comes down to uh, Devon or Cornwall, goes into the local tea shop, you can always buy a little stuffed pixie, can't you? Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Very much so. <laughs> well, they're not real. They're made of, cause of well, yeah, yeah or Yeah. <laughs> But they're traditional Devon Pixies. Okay. Um, And And so uh, why the obsession with Pixies then? Well, a lot of people may wonder where this obsession comes from. And I have a
0: feeling, I'm afraid, we have to go back to our dear old friend, (laughs) Mrs. Bray. Ah, Bray. I thought you were going to say Bering Gould. I knew it would be one of the two of them.
1: Oh, no. Bering Gould came a bit later. We may may hear of him later on. Um, Not sure, actually. Um, Mrs. Bray, as I think our listeners know, um, collected a lot of dartmoor folklore and she put this in a series of letters Mm -hmm. to the poet robert southey yeah and i've just been reading through her borders of the tamar and tavy published in the 1830s and it was she really who i think concentrated people's minds on the whole business of the dartmoor pixie if we come a few Decades later, we come to the writings of William Crossing, of course. Yeah. Um, one of his lesser-known books is actually Tales of the Dartmoor Pixies. But if you read him and Mrs Bray, you realise that he was simply reforming, regurgitating a lot of Mrs Bray's
0: original tales. And were they stories from the point of view of the Pixies, or were they stories of people's interactions with they the were.
1: They were very much... I mean, as far as I know, there is no actual body of pixie literature okay. written by the pixies themselves <laughs> so, so so the whole thing is really written from the human angle okay. um and and maybe we we can look at a few um things that mrs bray referred to she she believed and i don't know how she knew this but she believed that the pixies were worshipped by the druids okay and of course we all know that uh, back in the 1830s and 40s all the pres- prehistoric remains on Dartmoor were attributed to the druids this mysterious yeah, yeah. priestly caste but apparently they, they they were worshipped by the druids and Mrs Bray believed that they were actually the souls of unbaptized babies
0: oh mm. interesting so is there, is, there, is there a general sort of pejorative connotation when it comes to pixies or are they seen as being because pixie when you think about a pixie is sort of generally a positive kind of sprightly kind of Well, that's right. Upbeat type of character. But they're also
1: known, of course, as elves, but not to be confused with fairies. Mm. Sometimes thought of and described as imps as well. So there is a good side and a bad side to the pixies, and I think it depends on how we as humans interact with them. Yeah, okay. Um, Most of the time they keep themselves to themselves. Mrs. Bray um, used to see them as dancing in circles on windswept parts of the moor usually surrounded by frogs crickets and bees Mm. this is a a strange thing and of course they they do have a hierarchy and there are elvin kings and queens now whether these cover local geographical areas or whether there is one overall monarch well we really don't know um, but the elfin king apparently is supposed to reign under a cold moon, and at night he sends his people out. Now, sometimes he sends them out to annoy miners, for example. <laughs> They hide their tools away. If they're not getting attacked by kobolds, they're getting annoyed by pixies, these poor old miners. They have a rough old time of it. Being a Dartmoor miner was not really a very pleasant prospect at all. I can imagine. Um, But sometimes the pixies are sent out to make sure that uh, people are doing their housework correctly. (laughs) (laughs) And, of course... These You're days. getting shamed, yeah. shamed by Pixies. Well, yes. But you also get praised if you do it right. So okay. if you leave a bowl of cold water out on, mm. on the side after you've done your housework, come down in the morning, you'll find the Pixies have dropped a sixpence into the bowl. Mm. Um, now, of course, a sixpence doesn't really exist in today's modern currency. It's equivalent to two and
0: a half. <laughs> um, and, and and so what's what's your recommended sort of uh allowance to leave out for a pixie these days well, One no, of the pixies give pp's? you the oh they? no well, they're they? giving no, it to you I oh think, okay so uh, what can we expect it's, it's like the tooth fairy type situation
1: exactly i think you've got to allow for inflation and maybe um the fairies could drop a nice shiny yellow pound oh, coin into wow. your bowl yeah and you tuck that in your pocket and next time you went into tavistock um, to do your shopping, you'd use it in the
0: parking meter, mm. um, together with another one. Well, I course. don't reckon they'd have left any money for that lady who left her baby outside in the garden <laughs> to get oh. snatched away. <laughs> no.
1: Well, that was dreadful. We we might come back and talk about her okay, again in, good. In, in, in a little bit. Something else they do, apparently. Pixies go down into wells and make a strange noise. In Somerset. Um, no, a, a water
0: delivery system. Oh, I see. Okay, gotcha, well. yeah. gotcha. I um, yeah, yeah. thought I thought we were branching out there into uh, uh, other the local counties midst of, midst of <laughs> Somerset. No,
1: no, no. Um, why they do this? Nobody really knows. But in in other cases, they they do rather benign and helpful things. They might mm. help a lady with her sewing. Nice. And sometimes um, ladies would leave out um, little tiny. Um, suits of clothes just just <laughs> doll size and uh, the Pixies come at night put the clothes on they're never seen again but sometimes you can just hear them singing their little song in the background Pixie Fine, Pixie Gay Pixie now will run away. <laughs> and they always speak... Actually, they're a bit like <laughs> pantomime narrators. They always speak in rhyming oh couplets. Oh, dear.
0: It sounds it, interminable.
1: Oh, it is
0: absolutely <laughs> interminable. And, of course, very often the Pixies... What was it for the people leaving the clothes for the Pixies if the clothes just disappeared? Are they so, getting something back? Yeah. Is it pixi- a protection racket? Uh, exactly. <laughs> right. The Pixies don't come and bother them then. <laughs> right, they OK. They don't
1: make weird noises down there well or so it's a sort of
0: it's a sort of supernatural mafia
1: it's like a supernatural insurance policy right yeah okay you 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 do well by the pixies they will do well by you right and it's it's quite a a sort of
0: and they'll come and shake you down if you don't leave them stuff absolutely Mm. yes
1: sometimes they'll come and steal your child well yeah and leave a pixie child in its place the changeling oh we haven't had that before I don't think no and I don't quite know what Mrs Bray was was trying to get at but she said sometimes that pixies will steal a human child and pin it to their clothes now what does that mean well because a pixie is surely much smaller than the human child So pixies are minute because I mean, it, in no a, in another context Mrs Bray says that they they sometimes live in a hollow nut <laughs>
0: <laughs> right <laughs> which is incredible it seems very <laughs> unlikely that it can both live in a nut and, and pin a human <laughs> child to itself it's it's bizarre isn't <laughs> it seems it?
1: vanishingly unlikely but but it seems that sometimes if the child get grows up and gets a little bit
0: too big they mm. return it to the mother has this it is, been has there been a child a, a changeling pixie child in its stead for that whole time then yes. is this is this what you know, mothers of Dartmoor would use as an excuse for why their baby was an absolute nightmare then for a period of time. Well, yes,
1: but if a, if a changeling is returned to its real mother by the pixies, that child has a lifetime of good luck. Hmm. So in a way, it's, it, it's, it's quite a good thing. Hmm. But should we just have one more tale of Mrs Bray? Yep, because um, otherwise people might begin to think that Dartmoor is... Mrs. Bray. Well,
0: She seems to be um, responsible for a lot of these stories. Yeah. <laughs>
1: she does tell the wonderful story of thousands of pixies gathering. They particularly like to dance where there is no church.
0: Where there is no church? Where there is no Are church. Are they not a religious sort of no, they're, uh, no, they're not. character
1: then? No, they're, well, they're certainly not Christian. No, sure. Um, mm-hmm. As far as I know. Um, they dance in places where there's no church. So Whitchurch down near Tavistock is quite okay. a good place for them. Thousands of them dance all night guarded Mm. by an owl (laughs) just
0: one owl just one owl
1: can guard these thousands of pixies but the last story i'd I'd just like to tell about mrs bray and i think we may have you you may have mentioned it uh, in passing before is the famous fairy birth right slightly complicated story um midwife of tavistock is going about her business and suddenly an evil cross-eyed imp appears on a black horse. We've had this sort of chat before, haven't we? And eyes like balls of fire. And cross-eyed. Why is he cross-eyed? It makes him sound slightly less menacing when he's well, cross-eyed. It, it, does, <laughs> it does in a way. Um, but there you are. On his coal black horse, he says, in his usual sort of devilish way, mm. come to my home, mm. old woman, yeah. and give, help my wife give birth to her new child. So off she goes. (laughs) falls for it straight
0: away, obviously. Yeah, jumps on the back of the horse. Off they go. No questions
1: asked. Gets to the cottage, and there's a perfectly normal mother and two existing children. Okay. woman is clearly ready to have her third child. Child is born. Beautiful, lovely, healthy child. Right. Um, According to Mrs. Bray... In its tiny infancy, it boxes its mother's ears.
0: Well, not my why? 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 That's necessary. I mean, lovely child starts yes. boxing the mother, yeah.
1: and then the mother is the, asks the midwife to bathe her eyes with special ointment. Right. And suddenly, the mother and child are beautiful, but the two other children become hideous imps, flat-nosed imps with long, hairy paws. Weird, isn't it? Very weird. Why should this be? The imp takes the midwife back home to Tavistock, and life goes on as normal. Now, one day, she's shopping in Tavistock Market, Mm -hmm. and she spots the imp. She says, you're the one who took me out to give birth to your horrible child. And he says, oh, Can you see me? Which eye? Oh, the right eye, she says. Just a moment. Put some ointment on her right eye. She went totally blind in that eye. Could still see with the other one. Mm. Couldn't see the imp. Mm. So clearly there is this strange ointment which enables imps to, uh, and the fairy clan generally, to make themselves invisible. From the rest of us,
0: very weird. Yeah,
1: and I think you you mentioned the story of the beautiful garden with the lady with growing tulips. I think told that story before. No, I was thinking about
0: the one where the woman's baby got snatched away. Oh yes, that was Blackingstone Rock. Yeah,
1: Blackingstone yes, that, Rock. Oh yes. yeah, this is a. I don't think there was any. Uh,
0: pixie um, related input them, in that story
1: at all but <laughs> this one there's a dear old lady and she used to love growing tulips and they were always beautiful mm. and they were so nice that at night the pixies would come and they'd lull their little pixie children to sleep amongst the beautiful tulips woman sold the house moved on, bought by somebody else dug up the tulips oh, boy. <clears throat> tried to plant vegetables they never grew mm. eventually the old lady died And beautiful flowers came up on her grave. Extraordinary, isn't it?
0: Yeah, well, there's a big thing about um, sort of uh, plant deities. There's a specific word for them, which I can't recall right at the moment. Um, But there's lots of those different uh, plant deities, and you have to treat them all very, very carefully in order to get your plants to grow in the correct Mm. fashion. And I believe there's sort of one for every different variety and every different thing. Because there's that story about that garden in Scotland, where inexplicably it was incredibly successful, and uh, in a, in an area that otherwise couldn't sustain any life at all, they mm. were able to grow these amazing plants. because mm. they were communing with all of yeah. these various different pixies and minor deities of different plants.
1: Either that, or the climate was better. Yeah, that's possible. Yeah. yeah. Um, yes, I'm Fred. I don't know the names of those plant deities, mm. um, but I think. Shall we just move on to one more? Um, pixie story and then we'll get on to other things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is a wonderful tale about a schoolmaster called Jeremiah Toop. And he was schoolmaster at the grammar school in Ashburton, mm. which is on the southern side of Dartmoor. And for some reason we don't quite know why he was dismissed from his post. Okay. So if you're a school teacher, what do you do? You immediately walked straight across the moor to Tavistock in the hope of finding another teaching position, mm-hmm. possibly at Kelly College, was a very fine school in Tavistock. Um, he got as far as a Kistvane, which, of course, as we know, is a Neolithic burial place, mm-hmm. um, called the Croc of Gold. It's at Tor Royal. Now, purely by chance, the king, queen, and princess of the Pixies were there, and the queen was very, very unhappy because her pet hedgehog had just died.
0: <laughs> I mean, you can understand it, can't you? Uh, yeah. So if she could live, if uh, she could live inside a hollowed-out nut, the, the hedgehog would be about ten times the size of her. Enormous. Hard to have it, yeah. But maybe she exercised pet. some special influence
1: over the hedgehog. So, right. Yeah. So, so it didn't eat her up. All day. <laughs> yeah. Um Now, because the queen was so down in the dumps. Mm-hmm. Old dear old Toop decided to tell her some jokes. And that cheered her up no end. So much so that she gave Toop a golden cup from the Kistvane.
0: Oh, okay. From the
1: crock of gold. Yeah. There's always a legend that these ancient burial chambers were actually uh, filled with gold and precious things. Of course, very seldom true. Mm. A little bit of broken beaker, some ash. Perhaps. Yeah. Okay. Nothing more. But... In legend, they're always full of gold. She also cured him of deafness and short-sightedness, which may explain why he lost his job in Ashburn. <laughs> his deaf old school. <laughs> what are you saying, yeah. boy? What are you saying? Yeah, exactly. Actually, not not here, much. Um, So, off he went to Tavistock and got a job. Unfortunately, he didn't like the job very much. So he went back to the Crock of Gold looking again for the King and Queen of the Fairies. Mm. And he was never seen again. Mm. Some say that he joined the Pixies and married the Princess. <laughs> <laughs> but these are tenuous stories. Mm, yes, um, yes. Even though Mrs. Bray was um, an intelligent, educated woman, wife of a clergyman. Um, she seemed to fall for all this stuff, absolutely hook, line and sinker. Mm. But I think we've had enough of Mrs. Bray, don't you? Yeah, all right. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. We very often hear um, tales of people being pixie-led on Dartmoor. Okay. I think to a large extent this simply relates to fact the fact that people get lost in the in the mists, which are always swirling around mm. the tours. Um, but there are one or two very well documented cases, and, and one of the most interesting um, relates to the 16th century John Fitz. He was riding over the moor back to his uh, home near Prince mm. and he and his wife got completely lost. They were pixie led, but. Even though they were under the spell of the pixies, or sometimes they're referred to as goblins in this particular story.
0: You see, that's another way. I would never... uh, For me, a goblin and a pixie are two very, very different Very different things. Goblin, little sort of green... Monsterish kind of fellow, yeah. pixie, tiny little flying around Tinkerbell flying type around character. Tinkerbell, but
1: then Tinkerbell's a fairy rather than the pixie. I mean, I mean, the the terminology is very very vague is, and flexible. Mm, I think, okay. In this particular. Okay, context. so this is
0: a goblin style <laughs> yeah. pixie.
1: Goblin style pixie. Um, fortunately, John F- F- Fitz found a spring of water. Mm. He drank it and immediately knew where he was. That'd be quite handy. It was very handy, wasn't it? And to commemorate this, he built. A little granite construction over this spring, which has become known as Fyces Well or Fitz's Well. Okay, but it's quite possible that he was even more lost than he thought, because there's another Fitz's Well <laughs> on the side, <laughs> making of the, a mockery yeah, of the effect of the on, water on, <laughs> on the side of East Hill near Oakhampton, which is about ten miles away from right. Fyces Well in Princetown. Mm. Um, and it just
0: shows how easy it is to get lost in a Dartmoor mist. Indeed. So can you go and drink from this well now and be suddenly uh, reminded? Well, th- the problem is, if you went to the well, you'd know where you were. So you wouldn't really know if it had worked exactly. or not. You'd have to take the water away with you, get lost, drink the water, yeah. and then instantly know where you were.
1: Well, it may only be efficacious in that particular spot. Right. I have been to Feiss's well, mm. the one near Prince Town, Yeah, And it's an attractive little little thing it's marked on the ordnance map so there's no question of it <laughs> being lost or you getting lost on your way there as long as you can read a map you're okay fine but then um, you wouldn't benefit from the uh, <laughs> effects of the water so much not not at all no go. Yeah, okay. no. it's it's best to have a jolly good map compass or gps system <laughs> when you're right. walking on the moors than randomly relying on finding a spring okay with magical properties with magical properties, yeah. with magical yeah. properties yeah. having been good led advice. there by a goblin yes good <laughs> advice <laughs> I, I think anyone, advice. Yeah, anyone planning to walk on Dartmoor should sort of stick pretty much to, to those basic <laughs> Okay. I've been reading a very interesting book lately, mm-hmm. a modern take on the mysteries of the Moor. Okay. Um, and it's called Three Men Seeking Monsters. Right. Uh, maybe some of our listeners will have heard of it. It's three guys. Um, author is a chap called Redfern, and they're travelling Britain in search... Of unexplained creatures. Mm. Um, and one of the stories they tell relates to Dartmoor. And that apparently, in the 1960s, a strange creature was seen near the Hexworthy mine, who's seen throwing rocks around. Now, this mine has been in use since the Middle Ages, and it's in a remote area known as the Hen's Roost. okay And apparently, the local authorities I assume police or Dartmoor Rangers or somebody chased this person for three hours okay. and eventually captured them and took them to a hospital at Star Cross. Right. Now, Star Cross is the other side of Exeter, mm. so why why there, I don't know. He was more than six foot tall, naked but covered from head to foot in thick hair, very, very violent. And from Star Cross, he was apparently sedated hmm. and taken to London to an undisclosed location mm. and nothing has ever been heard of that story again how
0: bizarre is is this nick redfern the author because uh, it, it, if it is, then Nick Redfern is a guy who's covered all kinds of weird and wonderful stuff for the last few years and has a bunch of quite interesting books on various supernatural and unexplained phenomenon. Well, in, in view of what you've said, I suspect it is. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Okay. I just got a note says, looking.
1: Redfern, three men seeking monsters. Three men seeking um, monsters.
0: I think that's definitely worth yeah. checking out. Well, it's interesting to know that there are modern uh, stories, still, mm. still tales happening now of weird well, stuff. Well, that's right. That. But, and there
1: are, in fact, parallels with with some earlier reports from a local folklorist called Theo Brown. Mm. And she witnessed a family of similar, and she called them cavemen, on the rocky cliffs above Lusley Cleave. But it's quite interesting because Redfern suggests that these creatures are what are known as cormans, the wild guardians of the land. And it's all very, very odd, but apparently they're summoned up by a mysterious group known as the Nine. Who would meet at a stone circle on Dartmoor, possibly the Nine Maidens. And after various incantations, the Cormons would appear and they would wander the moors. But then the Nine were mysteriously slain. Mm. The whole thing is very, very odd. But actually, that, that reminds me that the Cormons could also um, be the same as the European wild man known as the Woodwows. Okay. But the Woodwows can apparently be tamed by a virtuous woman. And the well-known English poet, I think he may have been Poet Laureate, Ted Hughes, mm. wrote a poem called Wadwo, which was on this very subject. Now, interestingly, Ted Hughes spent the last few years of his life living in North torton which is just on the northern slopes of Dartmoor. Right. And... When he died, he was commemorated by a stone with just his name and his dates of birth and death, um, which was placed in a remote part of Dartmoor. And the requirement was that this stone should be very discreet. Its location should not be generally known by people.
0: Hmm. One
1: of the reasons why the Dartmoor National Park Authority said we don't want too many people knowing about this stone because it might become the subject of feminist agitation. Uh, yeah. Why so? Because apparently Ted Hughes, who was married to the poet Sylvia Plath, wasn't very nice to his wife.
0: That should have put paid to them putting up the stone at well, all, really.
1: Well, it should have. I suppose yeah. they thought, well, he was a good poet, bad man, but mm. yeah, what should, what should we do? Hide the stone in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, which was exactly what happened. Of course, now people have found it and the coordinates of GPS location is is well known. So any feminist can go and destroy
0: it should they choose to Yes, yourself? they can, Excellent. but I Good. don't think
1: that has been a problem. <laughs> it right. certainly hasn't been a big problem for the Dartmoor National Park mm. Authority so far. Now, earlier on, um, you mentioned the Cobbles, didn't you? Yes. Another name for them on Dartmoor, of course, is the Knockers. Right, yeah. Because they hammer away in the mines, and there's a particular complex at Chaw Gully on Challicoom Down, Okay. Um, near Warren House Inn. If you go oh, to yeah? the pub at Warren House Inn and you look across the road and down, that's where the big tin mining yes, area I once was. It well. um, but the knockers are thought to be misshapen beings. Meaning what exactly? Well meaning that they are of hideous aspect oh. Ooh. and they could well be the same as the poet john milton's goblins or swart fairies of the mine Crikey. so he was right milton was writing about that even back in the 17th century and of course where do- where did tolkien Get mm. his inspiration for the orcs. Yeah. They were horrible swart fairies of the yeah, mind. True. If yeah. you think about the book and the films. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so there, there are lots and lots of um, correspondences between these early Dartmoor tales and later folklore and later literature. Mm. So it's fascinating stuff. Of course, mortals have been known to meet up with these creatures as they roam the moor in darkness. St. Ledger Gordon, who is another folklorist of Dartmoor, we've mentioned him before, I think, Um, he associates chore with Dartmoor's grim raven. We've spoken about this before Mm. in previous episodes. Um, And the raven is supposed to guard the mine and it warns the knockers of treasure hunters who then appear in their hideous form and chase them away. Mm. And it's still said that today there's still a... A vague, malign presence haunts the area of those mines. Mm, Fascinating. Sometimes a knocker is or has been seen by by motorists as a case of a misshapen creature being seen at Green Coombe, not far from Gully. Apparently, people driving along Have seen this hideous human creature running alongside the car, waving his arms desperately, warning of danger. Could it be a knocker who's wandered from the mine? Mm. We we don't know.
0: Warning of danger, though.
1: Yeah. What danger? Mm. Well, maybe the driver was. If the knocker's worried, you've got to be seriously worried, seriously concerned. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, I would say so. The the knocker's knocking. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Slow down a bit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah it's fascinating It is pretty weird It's very very strange Now have you ever heard
0: The word hinky punk (laughs) Uh, No I might have heard it on uh, A children's TV show perhaps It sounds like something you might hear from a Teletubby It was
1: Later used by J.K. Rowling Ah, In some of the Harry Potter books But she borrowed it From much earlier references. Okay. The Hinky Punks were thought to be the first dwellers on Dartmoor. And they would act as guides. They were pretty odd because they had one arm and one leg. Now,
0: Mm.
1: I wouldn't have thought um, having only one leg was a particular attribute if you wanted to be a Dartmoor guide. I think it would be quite negative I find situation. it hard enough with two <laughs> yeah and maybe even a help of a trekking <laughs> um, but one leg one arm mm, challenging yeah mm. they had hideous goblin features and there were the bad hinky punks who would lead travellers into bogs mm. which may lead to the confusion with other people being pixie led yeah but they're two quite different things apparently some say they're nothing more than will-o'-the-wisps Mm. You know, the marsh yes. gas that you see over Ray Barrow Pool and yeah, Foxtor yeah, yeah. Myers, places like that. Um, but who knows? I mean, weird lights have been seen over Long Amicum, which looms over the valley of the river West Ockman mm. And that's one place where the hinky punks are supposed to dance the night away. Really? Mm. We weren't far from there yesterday. We, we, we didn't see any hinky punks. We didn't or not see we were any hinky punks of. at all. But... A lot of people will dismiss this, I think, just as, as pure imagination. But if we visit Torstock Church in North Devon, which is, is not far from where we're sitting here today, yeah. we can find a hinky punk carved on one of the 16th century bench ends.
0: Ah, interesting. And what form does it take then, this hinky punk? I'm glad you asked mm. that.
1: It's like a very long, thin dog with grotesque human features, but only two legs. It sounds horrible. So so, so that doesn't subscribe to the one leg, one arm (laughs) setup. Not at all. I think there are either different impressions of hinky punks or maybe subspecies with different uh, ratios of arms and (laughs) legs. Again,
0: it's one of those things
1: we really don't know.
0: Those, some of the descriptions do make you wonder, because, you know, you've got a cross-eyed imp fella. Yeah. And then a one-legged hinky punk. Uh, yeah. Yet people, are, you, you would think that it would be disarming. I mean, both literally and yes, figuratively, well, yeah. to come across a creature with only one leg and one arm. You would. But they must have been quite hideous. If they yeah. still managed to be intimidating and frightening... Sort of hopping around right. on one yes. leg. Or a <laughs> two legged dog with a human face. Well, like, that's well, that pretty is, grim, isn't it? That is definitely terrifying. Yeah, yeah. 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 The two legged dog with a human face. Um, very, you very know, when strange. When you go into
1: Torstock Church to say your prayers or whatever, mm. you know, first thing you're faced with, hideous Hinky Punk. Yeah, very strange. Very, very <laughs> odd. There's another tale of a, a monster. It's not described, but it's um, said to be like like a huge serpent. Um, And this was in the village of Maniton in the 17th century. The village was terrorised by this monster, a
0: huge
1: great serpent. It did have legs and wings, but bigger than the average human. But there is no illustration of it. Nobody has actually thought to describe it in any great detail.
0: Mm.
1: But it made a terrible hissing noise, which could be heard over a great distance. And it's the presence of that which is thought to have given rise to a curious practice in Maniton, which... As a body is being carried to the church for burial, it's carried anti-clockwise three times around the village cross. Mm. This is a way of fooling the devil, who is supposed to be such a clever guy, and yet he's fooled yeah. by the simplest of things, yeah, isn't exactly. he? Sometimes, yeah, weird. Um, but needless to say, the vicar of Manerton. Yeah. thought this was a, a very, very pagan practice. Yeah, it must be stopped. pretty pagan, yeah. But instead of just saying to the people, I'd rather you didn't do that as you bring yeah. the coffee. Yeah, give that stuff a rest, yeah. He demolished the whole cross, oh. chucked it over the edge. It was only found years, You would have thought that would have, that
0: would have been much worse for him. Wouldn't you destroy your cross? <laughs> well, You'd of be, course, of course yeah. you would. Of
1: course you would. There's another tale of a huge snake. I'm afraid we have to go back to dear old Mrs. Bray. Yeah. In the very appropriately named Pixie Lane in Tavistock. Oh, there you go. And she reckons it's the same snake that tempted Eve to eat the apple <laughs> in the book of Genesis and the Bible. <laughs> yeah, OK. Incredible, really. I mean... No you, one would ever describe Dartmoor as a garden of Eden, no. I don't think. Even if you only subscribe to the fact that... Uh, history only began, or the history of the world only began 4,000 years ago. Yeah, even then it's it? Even then it makes it look it's pretty, a pretty, pretty strange. Um, there's just a few more things we may like to look at. Sure, um, yeah, this, no, we in, have time. In this programme. Good, a few other animals. Now apparently a lot of old Dartmoor farmers have or had, because mm. don't forget most of these tales were written... Um, Down long, long ago, yes, um Dartmoor farmers have this sixth sense that tells them that some animals are not what they seem mm. Mm. this is there's a spirit hiding amongst a normal flock. you try and round up your sheep, Yeah. there's always one that goes the other way true, well, this is a spirit apparently that lurks amongst the others and if you don't round it up, misfortune will follow. Oh, uh, okay. But as we saw on Dartmoor only yesterday, yeah, poor old farmer galloping around on his horse. It's a nightmare. Yup, yup, yup. all his yeah. crying. There's always one that goes. Absolutely. Is that, in fact, haunted by a mysterious spirit? Mm. But eventually that particular beast will disappear. It won't come back to the flock again but only after it's led the farmer a merry dance
0: yeah. trying
1: to round it up.
0: Still roaming the moors, Still... long after the others have been penned up. Absolutely. Yeah. But
1: eventually it disappears, and there may be
0: in another flock or another herd, another... By which time it'll have been coerced by some kind <laughs> of hinky punk or kobold, Almost no certainly. doubt.
1: Almost certainly, yes. Yeah. Or, or gone down a mine with unknockers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, we just don't know what might happen. There's a very interesting tale uh, told about Bovey Tracy, which is right on the southern... In fact, it's off Dartmoor, but it's it's regarded as the sort of southern gateway to the moor. It's it's near a Newton Abbot, really. Um, The story of the woodcutter and the golden frog. Okay. Have you ever noticed how many old stories relate to woodcutters? (laughs) Um, The country must have been full of of woodcutters. Which probably explains why there are very few trees (laughs) (laughs) left. These blighters have cut them all down. Yeah, quite possibly. So this dear old woodcutter was living in a cottage near Bubby Tracy. It was a rainy night and his child was very, very ill. Obviously, he was very, very worried. Mm. So knock on the door. And there was a lady in a blue cloak standing there. And she just asked for a glass of milk. Why are you so sad? said the lady. Well, said the woodcutter, my child is very ill. So the lady simply laid her hand on the child's head and he recovered. And as she left the house, she said, you will find a clear spring and golden frogs tomorrow. And apparently to this very day, although I haven't seen it myself, the spring and the golden frogs still appear in Bubby Tracy. Mm. And that was said to be the apparition of the Virgin Mary,
0: Uh, who had come to this
1: humble woodcutter. Now, Bubby Tracy is um, a place where you have lots and lots of leets. Mm. Um, The river that flows through it, River Bubby, Mm of course, um, has been canalised in various ways and... If you know where to find them, it's a very interesting place if you do have an interest in water supply okay. and leets. Um, which you obviously do. Which I, which I, <laughs> which I do. Um, there's a very interesting lecture given by a lady at the uh, annual meeting of the Devonshire Association some years ago when she uh, delineated all these various leets in Bobby You know, it, it does uh, repay a visit sometimes. Okay. Um, There's an interesting story from um, one of the western parishes of Dartmoor, Walkhampton. Right. Some call it Wackington. I I, I don't know. Um, Apparently, um, there was a fairy ring, which, as you know, is a perfectly natural occurrence of of mushrooms on toadstools. They spore out and they sort Mm -hmm. of form a general circle. But one day, a jet black hen... And several chickens were seen at nightfall in this fairy ring. So the vicar, who just happened to be a student of the occult, <laughs> <laughs> of course, took a great deal of interest in this. Now, unfortunately, But the chickens not just eating the mushrooms? Wouldn't that be sort of standard well, reason? Well, they, they—they may have been. The problem was, the vicar in those had a servant in those days. Oh, had very nice in yeah. those days. Except the servants, I suppose. Yeah, especially yes. Sir. <laughs> um, and the servant got hold of one of the vicar's book books of occult spells hmm. and started to read from it. That was a bad thing to yeah. do. A violent storm arose, and the black hen and chickens entered the vicarage, entered the vicar's study. And they grew bigger and bigger <laughs> and bigger <laughs> until each chicken was the size of a bullock.
0: <laughs> now, Amazing. Imagine, how, imagine Yeah, that would be pretty that nasty. That would be pretty big. You know, yeah. about
1: half a dozen of those yeah. in your study, which probably wasn't huge. The vicar rushed no. in, but he knew what to do because he was a student of the occult. He threw some rice at them. And these giant chickens ate the rice. And they reverted back to their normal size. (laughs) And presumably... Brilliant. He chased them out. Now, it sounds completely mad, but that was recorded as early as 1850 in a wonderful publication called Devon Notes and Queries, Mm -hmm. um, which um, clergymen and other sort of idle gentlemen would write in interesting things. Um, And that was apparently a perfectly serious and rational description of something <laughs> which happened by one of one of these wise old gentlemen of devon back in the 1850s brilliant and it, it recorded subsequently in quite a number of folklore tales um have we got time just to do one sort of last little go on let's, last, fin- let's last finish, last finish up yeah tale? we've got a couple of minutes um, have you ever heard of a tribe of Of Dartmoor dwellers called the Gubbins. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think think it rings a bell, the Gubbins. Yeah, the Gubbins, apparently, they were a tribe of wild people living on the slopes of the moor above Lidford. Okay. Um, They had red hair and the men had huge red beards. And they spoke a language none could understand. Mm. Um, They robbed, they raped and pillaged all around Lidford. And they attacked travellers. Okay. on the main road to workhampton so generally they're nasty a, jabs they're a bit of a darn nuisance really yeah they were apparently mentioned by kingsley in his book westward ho okay. so once again the legends were adopted by you know literary men, yeah, yeah. intelligent people yeah um who didn't really um have any need to believe these things but somehow sure they they, they did um They resisted capture. Nobody nobody could actually tame them down. But apparently, over time, they became more and more civilised. And according to the Reverend Fuller, who's writing as long ago as 1640, Hmm. they eventually simply faded away. But where did they come from? Where did they go? (laughs) Nobody knows. And I think nobody knows is pretty much... A phrase that you could apply to many of our Dark <laughs> yeah. Where do these stories come from? Are they based in fact? Are they true? I don't know. But personally, mm. I find
0: it's good to believe in them. Very much so. Well, more <laughs> weird and wonderful stuff. Pixies living inside a nut and giant expanding chickens that's right you get it all <laughs> right here uh brilliant well thank you dad thank you very much oh it's a pleasure uh it's been another good one i think we will uh round off the series uh next week where we might do a sort of bibliography perhaps where we go through some of the uh some of the works that we've been using to put together the podcast and and just recap on any other story
1: that's right i think we'll just do a sort of where does the literature come from mm. um how do these stories originate? So that should, that should be interesting as well.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you very much for listening, everybody. And we will catch you on the very next episode of Myths of the More.